from other Australians and a few international guests of learning, working with and using other languages. I'm Penny. And I'm Beck. And today we are lucky enough to have a guest with us from the other side of the world. Um, Ermi, welcome to Language Chats. Hello, everyone. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Now, we're very excited to have Emmy with us. Emmy is located in the UK and lucky, luckily enough, Emmy and I have actually met in person before, which feels these days like an increasingly unusual experience to know somebody on the other side of the world and to have maybe met them before when you primarily interact with them on social media. So... (laughs) Luckily, we have actually met face-to-face before, which is really, really cool. Um, And, Ermi, would you like to, before we go any further, um, could you tell us a little bit more about yourself so that um, our listeners can find out why we're chatting with you today and what it is that you do? Yes, sure. So, uh, my name is Ermi, as you said. (laughs) Ermi Pedata, and I like to um, say that I love languages and that's why I teach them. And I mainly teach Italian because I am Italian, I'm from Italy, uh, and I've learned uh, many other languages uh, like English, Spanish, French. I'm currently learning Japanese. Penny, I know you are learning Japanese as well, <laughs> which is great. Um, and um, I think what I like doing is to always trying to bring the language into something that I love doing. And uh, I, I like helping others to do the same. Oh, that sounds, that sounds really nice <laughs> when you say it like that. <laughs> um, so maybe take us back a little bit and tell us about your kind of first experience with language learning and you know, how old you were, what language was it, and how did you go about learning that very first new language? Yeah, okay, I'll try to keep the story short (laughs) and not trying to go back too much. But um, the first language that I uh, learned was English. Uh, In Italy, we all learn English in school. And, um, and, and so there were two main subjects that was good in school, right? It was English and it was art. And so at some point I decided that um, I, wanted to, I wanted to pursue art, but at the same time, uh, oh, you know, I actually like English and I would like to study languages as well. So what, what happened when it came to um, choose my university? I decided to do two things at the same time. I decided to study, to train as a cartoonist um, because I love cartoons and uh, I always wanted to be a cartoonist. And then I decided to also study languages. However, it didn't work out really good <laughs> because both careers were quite demanding. Um, and so I gave up languages because, um, unfortunately, I felt very out of place at university where I went um, well, long story short, most people that were in that university were coming from a language specialized school. They were much more ahead than me. And uh, most classes were in English. I couldn't understand much. And I just, sometimes I would go home and cry because it just felt really <laughs> not good at it. So I decided to to, to give up. I said, oh, no, language is not for me. It's fine. Never mind. I'll just want to become a cartoonist. I don't need languages, all right? <laughs> 
<laughs> but then what happened was, and this was, was kind of what brought me back to languages. Um, when I was uh, studying as a cartoonist, uh, I had also a website because I was trying to, you know, reach new people with my art. And uh, I also joined a community of artists. I don't know if you ever heard it. It's called DeviantArt. Have you ever? I do remember it's... DeviantArt, actually. I do. I was never really into it, but I had a couple of friends who were really into anime and manga. And, yes. like, and so they used to be really... They used to just scroll through deviant art for ages because it's a place where people could like post their artwork, right? Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. So that's what I was doing. I was posting my work on there, uh, try to connect to other people that like art and stuff. Um, and then I realized I was obviously doing this all in Italian and I was reaching other Italian people. But then sometimes someone would comment with English words. I'm like, oh, okay, someone is commenting in English. And then I realized oh, I'm kind of leaving all these people out because, you know, all my captions are in Italian and, I mean, I should write something in English. Okay, so I thought, okay, I'm going to try and, you know, oh my goodness, I wrote, they're still there, you can go and check, (laughs) this is real thing. (laughs) There are so many captions that I wrote in English, like journal, post, things like that. They were not correct 100%. But anyway, they were there. It's fine. They helped me reach new people. And this was kind of what brought me back to languages because I was like, oh, actually, it's kind of cool because now if I if I knew English better, I can actually talk to these other people and they can know about my art and can know about what I do. Oh, I should go and study languages again. So that's what I did. And I went back to university and started to um, learn English again. And this time I didn't give up because all that practice that I did on DeviantArt was good. (laughs) Uh, And then then I also started Spanish and then I learned French and now I'm learning Japanese and it's been really good. (laughs) So that's my story of how I came to that's my interest for languages I I love that that deviant art which is a place that is not really at all related to languages per se is the place where you kind of found your your passion for languages again and interestingly I know you said it's all still online I would actually love to see it and if you are happy to share the link with us then we might put it in the show notes because I think no well sometimes the thing is though that it's really nice to be able to look back on when you were an earlier learner um, and some of the things that you wrote and some of the things that you tried to write um, and to see that you've made a lot of progress. I mean, you speak English now, I would say, like a native speaker. I mean, your your English is fantastic. It's, you know, oh, but um, I, you know, it's, it's really good for learners to be able to have a, a repository sometimes, a, a bit of a record to show that yeah, there was a time when you were still just learning, but you've made a lot of progress since then. Yeah, um, and it's it's great because you see where you are and then you realise, oh my goodness, I actually come a long way. <laughs> and it's kind of crazy how things come together and sometimes you don't know what can happen, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So right now in your in your life, what role does languages play? Are you, you're teaching, you said, um, are you teaching primarily Italian and, and, you know, what kind of 
ways are you encouraging and your students to to learn Italian? Do you have any particular kind of special special knacks? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, it's kind of okay. There are a couple of things I have to say about this. Um, so I am lucky because most students that come to me are kind of uh, motivated themselves. So they they do need encouragement, right? Um, but at the same time, they're kind of very motivated. Um, and so what I what has worked with me, I try to do with them. So for example, for me, it works a lot like, uh, as I was saying, trying to connect the language to something that they like doing. So to give you an example, um, I have a student, she, he's just like, he's like, <laughs> I love football and, uh, you know, I really want to know more about Italian football and all these things. I'm like, okay, great. So we should talk about football, right? We should talk about, and oh my goodness, I, okay, so this is what happened. So he Okay, he, uh, he said to me, I want to learn Italian uh, to travel to Italy, but I also like football. Okay, so, okay, great. So we need to do both things, okay? The amount of vocabulary he get through that is related to football is much more than the one related to travel. Why? Because he really loves it. It's just like, I was like, the other day he was like, uh, we were describing uh, photos of uh, matches and stuff. And he knew like, oh, this is the referee and this is doing this and this is that. Oh my goodness. Wow. Okay, great. So I think if you, if you are able to find a point of connection between what you like and a language, that can motivate and encourage you to move forward. And also another thing is um, to reward, reward, reward yourself. So because it's like we were saying before, like look at how you were before and look at where you come, like how far you've come and give yourself a little reward, like, oh, well done. Like it can be anything. Um, uh, so Another example, um, I like to reward my students with little things. Sometimes I send an email and I'm like, oh, well done, you are halfway through the program. Here's a playlist of Italian music you can listen to to celebrate. Or uh, here is, yeah, <laughs> these little things, they just remind them and they get so excited. And it makes me very excited as well because it's just like they, um, they kind of light up because they can see the progress that I've made. Uh, and so I realized that that worked for me. And so, yeah, they're working. <laughs> it's working for them as well. It's good. <laughs> I love that the reward that you give them is also something educational that they can use to practice their Italian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that a, that's a very yeah. clever teacher move. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but you know, sometimes it's not just to practice. It's also like um, you can just listen to a song just for the pleasure of it. You don't have to focus too much on whatever is saying. And uh, it's just like, I think it's the pleasure of doing things that makes learning language languages exciting. Because if you don't enjoy the process, then it's kind of very hard to 
to do it consistently. Don't you think so? Hundred percent. And absolutely. Yeah. Something Beck and I have talked a lot about over the the last couple of years on the podcast about, you know, language learning ultimately is supposed to be fun and we're supposed to be doing this as a as a hobby and and in you know part of you know enjoying something that we're choosing to do on the whole I mean there are other reasons people have to learn languages as well but Mm -hmm. on the whole if you're you know choosing to learn a language as a hobby you know make it fun but a lot of people haven't had that experience themselves especially if they're thinking back potentially to their high school experience I think a lot of people carry a lot of you know scarring or you know a little bit of trauma from language learning in a school environment and that stays with them through to adulthood have you had students that have come to you you know nervous or reluctant or unsure of themselves because of their experiences during school yeah 100 percent probably most of them Mm. probably it is um it is a I think it's an issue like in terms of uh, how all this kind of trauma, I don't want to be too tragic, but all this kind of traumatic experience uh, happen, unfortunately, to people. And then they think that they cannot do something like learning a language because they, someone probably told them that uh, they were not good at it or um, they had that bad grade and so they just thought you know they couldn't do it and stuff and so they come with a lot of fear and mainly it's also fear of uh, making mistakes um, which is by the way something that is mistakes in my opinion are essential to the learning process you can't learn unless you, you, you practice and then you kind of test if what you're saying is right or wrong by communicating. And then if the other person is like, oh, I don't get it, then you know, okay, I made a mistake, so how should I say this differently? You know, what words should I use? And it's fine. However, okay, so if you see that, it's kind of a learning opportunity, right? So because you just have given the opportunity to correct what you've just said or trying to say, and now you're learning. It's amazing. However, people sometimes get that as, oh, my goodness, I got this wrong. I'm not good. No, (laughs) you are good. And the reason why you are good is because you are actually trying. That's the point. You try, you test, you get it wrong you learn, then you do it again. And that's how you become fluent. Uh, It's not like I'm going to learn all the dictionary first and then I will speak. (laughs) I don't think think you're wrong to describe it as trauma. I I think that actually there is genuinely some, some latent trauma for many people coming into their adult lives and needing to learn a new skill, Um, especially if they have somewhere along the way either been told or even just been made to feel like you know learning that particular skill is not for them um this is this is not so much language related although I see it a lot and have been noticing it more and more recently actually people do the same thing with maths um they kind of say oh I'm terrible at maths 
Um, I've always been really bad at maths. I'm so, I'm so bad at it. And um, I've, I've often noticed in different jobs I've had um, over the years that often people who do actually have to do quite a lot of maths on a daily basis for their work still say, I'm really bad at maths. <laughs> I'm like, no, you're not. You're fine. Like <laughs> you do it every day. It's all good. You can, you know, you can do simple arithmetic. You can use a calculator. Like you can work up percentages. You're fine. It's it's, it. it's all good. <laughs> but it's funny how people do kind of keep that in the back of their mind and they and they tell it to themselves and they say it to others over and over again. And very much with, with languages, they do the same. But I'm sure... I guess your your job as a teacher and increasingly the job of many teachers these days to to adults as well but also to to younger people is to try and get people out of that cycle to make them realize that you know learning is is lifelong. It is true. I I so agree with this. Um it's it's just like it's amazing how much I I came to realize that my job is not only like you're saying to teach them the language. My job is to help them to find the confidence and the ability to forgive themselves for the mistakes that they make and keep going until they get the results they want and finally gain the confidence that they want to speak their language. Uh, And that just comes by doing the thing. (laughs) (laughs) There is is no other way than doing the thing. And this is also why I think that connecting the language to something that you really love, that you're really passionate about, and that you use that language to learn more about that thing, to explore more about that thing, to find out new things about that thing, that is what helps you to practice the language in a way that is enjoyable because it's something that you like. You're talking about something that you like. And at the same time, it brings you those language skills that you need, speaking, confidence, so that you can communicate, right? So basically you're a coach. So <laughs> You're a coach. <laughs> <laughs> You're like cheering, cheering people on from the sidelines. You're like, you can do it. You can do this. <laughs> yes. And uh, it's true. I don't, I mean, okay. Uh, I am a certified language coach. However, when I say this, people get a bit, um, I don't know, reluctant because probably they don't, they're not sure what actually is. And so I, yeah, I do have as in my signature in my email <laughs> but uh, sometimes I am reluctant to say because uh, I want people to understand what it is first and then t- saying the thing <laughs> that I am <laughs> because it's it's important to understand why the why behind things so it's important to understand what is this and how it can help me so how coaching can help me it can help me become more confident in speaking that language. It can help me to not be afraid of making mistakes anymore and all those things that are related to language learning. But unfortunately, they're not taught enough in school nowadays and all these kind of things. What What would you say, Amy, to people who are learning a language in a more like a structured environment, perhaps in a classroom or even one-on-one with a teacher using a textbook 
how how can students um I guess take a little bit more of control or lead in the types of content that teachers potentially are exposing us to or textbooks are directing us to because like yeah. you know you guys have studied with textbooks many times I'm sure and sometimes they're just like ah. <laughs> yeah uh, I like I like the question it's it's basically find a balance because I think textbooks are good for structure because they give you like all um, how do you say, uh, com- uh, frequent words and things like this at the same time, sometimes you may have a topic you're not really interested in. <laughs> so, for example, <laughs> um, okay, I'll give you an example from my Japanese learning. Okay, so uh, one class that we had was about uh, technology, and uh, if you want to buy a camera or you know a computer, things like that. To be honest with you, I'm not very interested in that kind of stuff. <laughs> I mean, so I kind of adapted it and make it different for me. So I say, okay, what would I like to buy? What are, okay, if I go to Japan, I'm probably not going to shop for a camera or computer. (laughs) I probably already, but I'll probably go shopping for food or uh, probably I will uh, shop for manga (laughs) and all these things, right? So one thing that I like doing is to uh, adapt uh, the script from my textbook, the dialogue script, and make them in a story that is related to, relatable to me. So if in the dialogue they're talking about um, like this time, like this thing about oh I'm going computer by a computer, whatever, and I will say, okay, I'm going in a bookshop and I am buying manga and something else that, some other book that I like. And so I kind of adapt things. Um, and, and again, it, it brings back, I repeated this many times, but it brings back again to the thing connected to something that you like, mm-hmm. connected to something that is relatable to you. Um, so yeah, my advice would be, um try um the textbook is good for the structure but try to adapt it whenever you can to something that you like yeah that's really good advice that's really good yeah super good advice and a great idea as well to adapt some of the kind of textbook structures to your to your own interests because the more that I think about that the more I realize actually that's much easier to do than than it might same like just because the textbook says that this is what this chapter is about doesn't mean that you have to use all of the key vocabulary in that chapter you can just use some of the structures from it for example or maybe the grammar exercises but not necessarily the vocabulary um so I think that's a that's a really really good idea um I know that obviously you think like we can say that this having passion for Having realizing that there are things in your life that you're interested in and have passion for and combining that with um, the language that you're learning is really important to you. Um, in your particular experiences with learning other languages, so in learning French and learning Spanish and learning Japanese, can you give us some examples from those languages too where you have done that for yourself? Sure. Um, so for Spanish, for example, 
Um, I love Latin music. I love dancing, salsa. So I listen to a lot of uh, music, salsa music in Spanish, Los Cuatro. <laughs> if you want, I can give you a list of things that I listen to. So um, what, I, what I used to be doing when I was learning Spanish and uh, before I was starting every any Spanish session, <laughs> I would put on uh, a song. And I was just like, that's, that's my pronunciation warm-up. I'm going to do karaoke <laughs> on this. <laughs> so I would just sing the song. That was just like a way to get me into the language. It's kind of like my brain is tuning into the language. So uh, it was fun, but at the same time it was useful because it, it helped me, it helped my brain to tune in. And then I would do, uh, you know, all my study the grammar and if I had to do the exercises I was uh, back then I was um, doing it at university so I had to, le to learn all of those things for the test and stuff but that was my way to make it more fun oh I'm gonna start with a song um, and still song nowadays are something that I use also for my Italian learners because uh, we um, Another example, uh, we, we finished yesterday the, uh, uh, the conversation course. And every time we start a class with the, in the conversation class, we sing a song in Italian all together. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and then we, we start to do the conversation and all those things. Um, sing and speak Italian as well. I do the same thing. So we sing and speak Italian is a program where we learn to speak Italian using songs. So we we analyze a song, we get the vocabulary out of it, and then we we use it in speaking. And so songs, music, it's something that I really love and that I keep using in my language learning. Japanese, I love singing Japanese songs. And sometimes people think that they need to use music be, uh, or songs when they are more advanced and stuff. I'm not advanced in Japanese, not at all. Um, but I I love taking the the songs from the anime that I used to watch as a, a teenager. Uh, the songs in Japanese of the, the anime and then I sing them and I don't understand all of them but I do understand some words and those words are always the one that I always remember and I always use why because this is something that it's connected to something that I like yep um so yeah this is how I like doing it oh <laughs> uh, I think um I think after this chat Ermi, I'm going to like, you know, YouTube some songs or something. I need to get myself a playlist. You've really inspired me. I need to jump on this. I don't know why I'm not doing it already. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you can also write your own songs. Uh, this is something that um, it can be super amazing um, because you can use the vocabulary, you know, to write your own songs uh, or uh, and then sing. So um, I... One thing that I advise to everyone doing is every time you have something that is kind of difficult to learn, for example, verbs with preposition, okay? That's in any language, English, Spanish, Italian, okay? <laughs> so, well, why don't you try to use all those verbs with prepositions doing a little poem, a little song, and then you sing it to yourself? Do you think you're going to forget that? I don't think so. <laughs> um 
And recently, I actually wrote for my students a rap for uh, with uh, Italian irregular verbs to help them learn them. And they loved it. And they're like, oh, my goodness. I'm singing. I really like this song. I'm singing it. It was really helpful. I, it's like, it's it's just like, the I call it the magic of music. It just sticks into your brain. You can't forget it. I love it. You are, you're not wrong. I think some of the things that I remember the best from learning different, different languages, I, I can think of two examples in particular, actually one from French and one from German where you have had, where I have had to learn something that's kind of, well, what otherwise would be considered like kind of a boring grammar thing to memorize. And the reason that I remember them so well is because we remembered them as a song. The one in French was the just endings of regular ER verbs for anybody who studied French out there. We had a song for that at school. E-S-E-O-N-S-E-Z-E-N-T. That is how I remember the regular endings of ER verbs in French. And not that long ago, I learned another song for how to know the dative prepositions in German. And I tell you what is the only way I could possibly remember. There is no way that I would be able to have learned that list without having a song attached to it. So I am all for attaching a musical tune to anything that you need to learn regarding language. Love this, Emmy. Love yeah, it. I'm fun. so down. Yes. <laughs> oh, and if anybody else is out there and they have a good song-related way to remember something in a language, please tell us. Um, we will happily share them um, because I think, yeah, there are lots of real gems out there and there are some great YouTube videos also where people have put these things on the internet and they are genuinely very, very helpful to learners. Yeah, they are. Uh, I agree. So, Ermi, if, if you're thinking from your kind of coaching, teaching hat, do you have any advice for people who might be listening who feel like they need to change up their learning routine and their resources? Obviously, music and singing and poetry and rap and all these kind of things are going to feature at the top of the list. Is there anything else that, that you think might be really important for people to consider? Yeah, I think um, to make it easy for you to start learning. Uh, because um, this has happened to me and probably it happens to many people. It's the, the hard part to, to learn a language consistently is to do it every day and to start. The start bit, when you start, then you are into it. But the starting bit is the tricky one. Oh, I don't have time, I don't know what to do it. So one trick that I used for me, and it's working, <laughs> I have by uh, my bed, uh, oh, what's called the uh, bed table? Yeah. I have on my bed table, night table, bedside whatever table. it is. Yeah. <laughs> bedside, bedside table. table, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a little box, um, a little box um, where you can put files in it. But in it, I have my Japanese textbook my Japanese notebook and my Japanese dictionary. So I like when I wake up, uh, I like to eat my breakfast in bed. And so sometimes when I'm drinking my tea and things, I pick up the book and I just read a dialogue or do an exercise. 
And that is easy for me. I don't have to think, oh, now I'm going to learn Japanese uh, and the textbook is in another room and then I need to go and pick it up. And by the time I always thought, I thought by the time I think all these things, it's not going to happen anyway. <laughs> so having that by my bed and doing it when I'm having breakfast, it's, it's just like very easy. And so I start and then I might be there like sometimes I might be there for one hour. Sometimes I may be there for 30 minutes, sometimes 20, but still I am doing it. And and I, because I'm doing it, because I made it easy for me to start. And so make it easy to start. <laughs> Great piece of advice. Yep. Yeah, really good. Really good. <laughs> um before we let you go we we should get you to just tell um us and and our listeners a little bit about your business language rose and and what's kind of been happening and what you've got planned for the next little while if you you know if you want to talk a little bit about that and where people might be able to find out more about you as well sure um so the language rose um kind of I started <laughs> with this idea that um, I had to provide people with languages experiences. A- again, it, it relates to the, the idea of connecting a language to something that is that you like and that you love. And, um, and <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen it, but uh, the mariner rose that you can find in any compass with all the points north, south, west, east, um, uh, and then every point has got like uh, the wind that is related, that's coming from that direction. So every wind has got a different name. So I kind of take that symbol and made it the language rose rather than the wind rose because it kind of symbolizes all the languages that I've learned and the different directions and way of living life that I get to discover, that I get to discover through those languages. And so I wanted people to have the same as I had, to discover new worlds and connect to new worlds. <laughs> and so that's what I do with the language rose um, at the moment with Italian people that want to learn Italian and uh um, speak Italian and connect to the Italian world but using creativity, art and play do it in a way that is fun um, and this is why I like offering programs like Sing and Speak Italian where you learn Italian through songs or um, conversation classes where you also get there is the music element but you start the conversational class with songs and things like this and for me is something that is kind of kind of help people to make the language learning fun for them i don't want them to feel it as a chore 
I don't want them to come to a class feeling that they're coming to a class. <laughs> I want them to come to a celebration, to an event that they enjoy. Um, and so, yes, that's what I do with the language rose. And if people are curious to know more, um, they can go to my website, thelanguagerose.com. And they can also find me on YouTube, youtube.com slash ermipedata, E-R-M-Y-P-E-D-A-T-A. -E -A. <laughs> um, and uh, on YouTube, I normally share videos about language learning, uh, especially Italian learning. And uh, that's my way to bring to people the passion for languages and to open them up to a new world <laughs> Wonderful. thank you well we'll make sure that those links are in the show notes so um if you want easy links to all of the places where you can find enemy online um then you'll be able to access them there and find out a little bit more about what she does after today's chat Thank you. thank you and um, thanks for giving up your time to join us and thank you everyone for listening to another episode of Language Chats. Um, we're always happy to have you along for the ride and especially when we've got special guests to share their knowledge with us all as well. It makes it even more fun. Thank you so much for having me. Bye everyone.